If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, found in the Pew Bibles on Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to be uh, focusing on verses 3 through 5, but we'll also read the first two verses. Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says, our, says your God. Speak tenderly to, to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I remember when I was a youngster in Driver's Ed. There was a long bridge that our, our driver instructor, he, he always liked to have us go over. And I used to hate going over that, that bridge. And the reason I hated it so much is not only was it long, but it was narrow. Um, it was from bygone days, and um, it should have been a two-lane bridge, but it was actually a four-lane bridge, and it seemed like you had inches on both sides of, of your vehicle. Um, you're either going to hit a car or you're going to hit the... Uh, the side of the bridge, and it was always really unsettling. It's kind of like our, our bridge on I-75, you know, with big pieces of concrete missing, and you wonder how long that baby's going to stay up there. It was kind of that kind of a bridge. <laughs> and uh, years later, when we moved to uh, Hammond, Indiana, that bridge was actually only about a mile away from, from where we lived on, on Route 41. And uh, what was kind of ironic about it is the, the trains had stopped running 15, 20 years before that. Now it was just a bridge, and nothing was happening underneath. And uh, so one, one summer day, they started uh, taking that bridge apart, and, and that was quite a job. It took most of the summer. But it was amazing when they got done, how smooth it was. And, and rather than have to go over anything, it was just nice and flat as as you went down the road. and Every time I, I, I read this passage in Isaiah, that's the thought that comes to mind. You know, the, the mountains, the, the high places are going to be brought low. The, the valleys are going to be raised up. And that's exactly what they did. And removing that bridge and placing that road there, it was just as nice and as smooth as could be. We talked last time about the comfort God brings His people. And if you remember, the word comfort comes from, well, it carries the meaning of with strength. So it's not just a, a, you know, a empty words, but it's, it's words that, that have some impact. They have an effect on us. I think the author of the Heidelberg Catechism, he captures this idea when, when he asks this question, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That same word. That I belong body and soul and life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Many of you know that one by heart. The comfort God wants to bring us, it has substance to it. It has a bite to it. 
Again, it's not just empty words. God's comfort is not a temporary thing, but it's, it's a lasting thing that we can enjoy both now, but also forever in eternity. This is something Israel would long for when they were in captivity in Babylon. You might remember the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. It talks about the sins of the land and the sins of the people and how they had gone astray. And how God hated their sin. You would have thought God would have given up on His people. But He hasn't. He's not through with us. He wants to comfort and bless His people. He wants to turn their hearts of stone into into hearts of flesh. Into hearts that long and desire for the things of God. Now where does our text say the voice is calling out from? Where's it calling out from? Verse 3 says it's the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Later on, we're, we're gonna, we'll, we'll realize that that voice would also come to represent John the Baptist as he prepared the way for, for Jesus' coming. But it means more than that. It's prophetic, but it also has something to say to the people then as they live their lives. And it also has something to say to us. Now given the metaphor that is is being used in these these verses, what do the hills and the valleys represent for God's people? And why do they need to be made level? What, What is that verse talking about? The high places brought low, the valley lifted up, the rough places made smooth. Well, the wilderness was not an easy place. Wilderness surrounded God's people. And it was a place where you, uh, you grazed your sheep, but you really didn't spend a lot of time there because it was a difficult place to be. And for God's people, they had bad memories about the wilderness. You might remember those 40 years that they wandered around the wilderness. And the reason they had to do that was because they disobeyed. They were disobedient. And so that's what the wilderness in, in some ways came to represent for them, is their disobedient hearts. Their lack of trust in God. I mean, God had told them that if you put your trust in me, I'll help you. I'll provide for you. You don't have to worry about your enemies. But they they continued to doubt. And they got themselves into so much trouble. Wilderness also represented an obstacle for the pilgrims as they traveled to uh, Jerusalem for one of the various feasts or uh, celebrations. Many of God's people would have to travel for days and weeks even in order to get to Jerusalem, and, and that was usually through the wilderness. And it was on roads that were often very rough, and depending on the weather, the rain, roads could wash out. Rock slides could come and, and block the, the path that you were on, and, and, and so it was something that you were... Con- it was a difficult way to travel back then. It, it wasn't easy. You also had to worry out, worry about wild animals. You had to worry about um, robbers who would frequent those areas, trying to catch unsuspected uh, pilgrims. Clearly, the wilderness was not a hospital place, and and really becomes a fitting image 
of God's people and, and their spiritual condition. How their hearts had grown cold and they had turned away from the Lord. Maybe some of you feel that you're in the desert this morning. You feel far from the Lord. Your soul feels dry and parched. Maybe you came this morning feeling weary and thirsty and hungry spiritually. And again, this is the best place to be when you're feeling that way. It's so easy to run from the Lord, but this is when we need to turn to Him and ask Him to fill us in a way that we desire and and, and trust me, in the way Christ desires. Maybe for some of you, it's been a while since you've had some meaningful time with the Lord. More and more you find yourself traveling from Sabbath to Sabbath. And, And while you go to church on Sunday, you find it hard to find time to spend with the Lord the rest of the week in prayer, in God's Word. And so each Sunday as you pull up to church, you're feeling it. You're feeling weary. You're feeling far from God. Wherever you may be this morning, the voice is crying out to you and to me. Prepare the way of the Lord. God's not forgotten us. That the voice is calling out to us. God has not forgotten us. That voice is is one of authority on behalf of God. And He's not given up on us. He still wants to offer us His peace and comfort. Now while you can't force God to come, you can't force revival, not only in your life, but in the the church, yet we can place ourselves, we can place our church in the path of the moving of the Holy Spirit so that we might receive all that God has for us that He might revive our hearts. Again, take those hearts of stone and make, turn them into hearts that desire the Lord and long for Him. But if that's going to happen, then you have work to do. We all have work to do. And we need to put God first in our lives. We have to ask God to make His home in our hearts. We need to prepare the way for the Lord and to make straight paths in the desert, a highway for our God. Isaiah is envisioning a time when revival will come to the land. When God's hearts would again turn to God, and He would be their focus. Really, they were longing for revival to come. Not a man-made revival, but the kind of revival that only God could produce through the Holy Spirit who sets us on fire so that everything else in this world pales in comparison to what we have in Christ. I think you could say that in a nutshell, revival is a return of the people of God to the Word of God in the house of God by the prayer of power of God according to the plan of God under the direction of God and thus receive the blessing of God. It's turning our hearts back home. Turning them to the Lord. And so what does the voice call out for us to do? You've got to remember, back then, roads were made and, and maintained by hand. 
There was no raid gr- road graders. There, there, there was no tractors. Everything that was done was by hand, with a shovel, by people carrying stones and putting them on the path and filling around them with crushed sand or, or, or crushed rocks and sand. They would literally fill in the low places. Rocks fell in the, in the path. They would either go around them and make a new path or try to roll those rocks off the path. But as I said before, weather comes. The rain, the wind has a way of messing up those roads and making it hard to travel. And you can just imagine how difficult it was for those pilgrims. You know, especially back then, when, when a town found out that the king was coming, uh, uh, someone from uh, the king's palace would go before the king, and he would go to each town and say, prepare the way of the king. Prepare the way for the king to each town that, that he would be going through. And then it was the town's responsibility to fix the roads around their town. Again, that wasn't an easy process because it was all done by hand. This is what we hear the voice of God calling us to do. Not a physical road, but a spiritual road. Prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. Make straight in the highway, make straight in the uh, desert a highway for our God. Again, this, this is something that has to be done spiritually in, in each of our hearts. Well, God would one day come to Jerusalem as a long-awaited Messiah, people needed to prepare for this. They needed to prepare for His coming, just like we need to prepare for it. And the way we prepare for Jesus' coming is by removing every obstacle that's in the way. Talking about our hearts now. The mountains that are there, the valleys that are there, it's getting rid of them so that Christ might come, so that Christ might fill us completely, satisfying us, filling us with a comfort that only God can provide, that we'll never find in the world around us. And the only way this is going to happen is if repentance comes. We talked about this last week. But we need to repent of our sins just like the people back then needed to repent of their sins. They needed to turn away from their sin and begin to head in a new direction. They needed to put God first. That means they needed to have a change of mind. They needed to change the way their lives were heading and go a different way. John the Baptist echoes this as he prepared the people for Jesus' coming and shouted, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Simply put, to repent means to change. To make some changes. And in this case, to get rid of those things that are standing in the way of Christ's coming and being your your Lord and Savior. It's to turn in a different direction and begin to live your life in a different way. And this is something we can't do on our own. 
We don't have the strength in ourselves. God needs to help us through the Holy Spirit. But it's not all something God does. It's something that we participate in, like sanctification. And so we have work to do. And when we see those things in our heart, in our lives that need to go, we need to, through God's help, dig up that sin and lay it at the cross and confess it. Think about the guests that come to your home. When you invite somebody for dinner, do you clean up the house? Do you straighten it up? Of course we do. Why do we do that? We want to make a good impression. We want them to feel at home. We want, don't want them to see our dirty laundry laying around or whatever. Dirty dishes in the sink. We want them to feel comfortable. I remember when we were living in Grand Rapids before we moved out west. We were trying to sell our, our house kids were little at the time, and I remember we'd get a call like an hour before from the realtor. Yeah, we've got somebody we want to show your house to. And so we would, in just an hour, I mean, usually it was like a real short period of time. And so we would all get together and go from room to room to room, and we'd hide everything. Everything went in the closets, under the bed, into the, the dresser drawers, everything. And it looked nice. And, and often the people would comment to the realtor, wow, they have three kids or four kids, and I think we had three at the time. We have, they have three kids, and the house looks so neat. How is that possible? Oh, if only they had opened a, a closet, they would have been surprised. They would have known why. But why did we do that? Because we wanted the house to be something where they felt comfortable in, that they could imagine themselves living in. We wanted to offer our best. This morning... If Jesus came to your spiritual house, would He find you ready and waiting? Would He find your heart cleaned out? You've made room for Jesus? Or would would He find your heart so filled with the stuff of this world that you'd have a hard time even fitting into a closet? But for those who heed the voice in the wilderness, that's calling them to prepare their hearts. Listen to what the voice now promises in in verse 5. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it. That's exactly what happened when Jesus came, right? The glory of the Lord appeared. And all eyes could see it, though they, they missed it. But the star, Jesus being with them, The glory of the Lord was revealed here on earth through Christ. And just as the people need to prepare for the coming of the Lord, so do we. Not only for Jesus to come at Christmas time, though this is a good reminder to us, but this is really a preparation for something even bigger than that, and that's for Jesus' return on Judgment Day when He's going to call us home. We don't have to fear that day if you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. If He's the one filling your heart, but if you've not yet asked Him to come and be your Lord, to be your Savior, then you've got work to do. If you want that comfort of the Lord, if you want His peace, 
If you want to experience that love, it's got to begin with Jesus. A relationship with Him. Next week, we have the opportunity to to celebrate communion together. Communion along with uh, baptism, it, it reminds us that through Jesus' death and resurrection, all our sins have been forgiven. And we've been given the, the, the gift of eternal life. Apostle Paul reminds us that as we prepare to meet Christ at His table, we need to examine ourselves to see if there's any mountains or valleys within our hearts that need to be taken care of. The mountains lowered, the valleys filled so that Christ might come. And if we sinned against God and our fellow man, then we need to repent of those sins. And then come next week filled with joy knowing that that meal, that supper, it's for you. It's not for the perfect, but it's for those who know Jesus. Who've been covered in the blood of the Lamb. Who know Christ's forgiveness. When that thought is in our, our, our minds as we approach this table, then it becomes a celebration even though what it represents is, is such a horrible thing, that Christ suffered and died on the cross for our sins. But because of that, we have eternal life. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's what the, the voice proclaimed at the end of verse 5. In other words, God, God promises, God's promise to us, it, it, it's trustworthy and true because it comes from God. It's not empty words. Because when God makes a promise to us, He will keep it. Jesus is proof of that. So let me ask you, on the day the trumpet sounds and the glory of the Lord is revealed, will you be ready? On that day, Scripture tells us that every eye shall see Him, every knee shall bow before the King of Kings. At His appearing, will you be ready? Or will it catch you by surprise? That's why we celebrate Advent the weeks before Christmas. You know, the Advent itself, it's not found in the Bible. But it's a great spiritual practice because it forces us to think about who's coming. And more than that, that one day He's going to return again. Christ doesn't just want a a piece of your heart. He wants the whole thing. Praise the Lord that there's no mountain too high or a valley too low to keep Him away. Just call on the name of the Lord. Because our God is faithful and He wants to fill you. Fill you with a peace that's beyond our comprehension. A peace that almost seems impossible given what we see going on in this world. But it's a peace that is ours to claim because of the comfort of the Lord. And let's pray that nothing will take this away from us. And nothing will take our, force us to take our eyes off, off Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank You for this comfort Lord, that Jesus offers us that's found only in Him. Father, we know that if this comfort is going to be ours, then Lord, we need a change of heart. 
Lord, revival needs to come to us. And so, Lord, we just pray that You might be our all in all. Father, that You might be our not only our Savior, but our Lord. Lord of each area of our lives. Forgive us, Lord, when we hold back from You. And there's parts of our life that we think are ours and, and not Yours. Father, we just pray that You might help us sweep out our, our houses, our spiritual houses. And we pray, Lord, that You might enter into our hearts. Fill us in a way that You alone can. Prepare us, Lord, for Your coming. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. One of my favorite songs, Joy to the World. Let's stand as we sing.